here's what's coming up on today's show. I would say the biggest one has to do with expenses and income and navigating through that. And that first six months to 12 months is vital just to get your your grasp on where everything is at. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Hello, and welcome back into the Retirement Reality Podcast. I'm Ben George with Mike Coynan, founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. Mike, we just come off came off Labor Day as we're recording this, which means the summer's over, but it also means football is right around the corner. Vikings kicking off this week, huh? Yeah, and uh, I'm going to be on vacation, so I'm going to miss the oh. home opener. I'm going to miss, and we have a very short week. We play a, a Thursday night game, so I'm going to miss the first two games. Yeah, I'll be on vacations. Hopefully, I'll be able to watch it and be televised where I'm at. So, but again, we're, you know, everybody's even. It's an even playing yep. field right now. So we'll see. Pretty good home schedule this year too, with the Chiefs coming to town. So that should be a fun one. Yeah, Chiefs, Chargers. Um, there's some really good home games this year. So Packers are always a good home game. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Detroit or, or the Bears, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some good teams coming coming into town this year. Well, I love it. I love it. I know you're a big uh, Vikings fan, and we'll kind of be tracking them throughout the year. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, it's a good year. But as you said, everybody starts even, and you never know what could happen. So, right, looking forward to it. Well, today's conversation again. If you're just joining us, we appreciate you being a part of the show. Uh, this is a good one today. It's one that I know, Mike, you you deal with quite a bit, uh, or at least have a, a decent amount of experience in, and that's just navigating finances when you lose a spouse it's uh it's yeah. very difficult right but you see this uh you see this from time to time yeah just uh just really recently i mean we hate to deal with it but the longer you're in this industry and the longer you help people the more you're going to deal with it but you know, just had a meeting of this uh, two weeks ago with a lost her spouse and a client of mine as well so just dealing with this and navigating and, and just making some changes and updates and um, there's a lot to go through, mm-hmm. um, not just for the person who lost their spouse, but um, just changing, the, you know, looking at the plan to make sure everything's on pace. And gosh, there's just so much paperwork to fill out. I feel so bad you're, you're in that mourning period of time if you lost your spouse, but yet there's so much things you still have to do. Even if your ducks were in a row, there's still a lot of things you have to get through. And that's it's tough. Yeah, so we want to take you through that today, some strategies, some mistakes that we want you to avoid if you're in this situation. And chances are, you know, you might find yourself in this situation. So you want to kind of get ahead of it, be thinking about it. And uh, if you know someone that's maybe in this situation, today's episode will be very helpful for them and I encourage you to send it along. You can find everything we talk about online at principalpreservationservices.com. You can also learn more about Mike and his team there. But if you want to schedule a meeting, you can do it through the website, but you can also call 855-987-8888. So we know this is one of the, the tough life events we'll have. To, uh, it's a lot of us will have to face, not everyone, obviously, but there are a lot of financial implications that come along with this because it's so difficult to manage both the grief and then also the yeah. financial aspects to this. So I want to talk through some of these, Mike, and I'm sure you get people that come in that, that have lost a spouse recently. Uh, you mm-hmm. talked about it and sit down and, and just want to make sure they're in pretty good shape financially. But when you start digging into things, what, what are some of the problems that you see for people in these situations? Yeah, just, the biggest thing is they want to make find out, am I going to be okay? I mean, I just lost some income. You know, I just lost a pension or Social Security or part of the, you know, 
can I stay in my house? Can I afford to do what I'm doing? You know, what, you know, what, what do things look like? Because you're so dependent on having, you know, two incomes or, you know, two social securities and, and, um, it's easier to count on one. And, and it's, it's not easy when the, if the one who passes was the one who handled the finances. And sometimes we, we've, you know, they've relied so much, maybe too heavily and maybe too much trust not like they were doing anything wrong, but too much ownership was put on one person to handle the finances. So when that person's gone, they really had to step into an uncomfortable territory they're not used to and having to, to take on that burden of, of understanding the finances and, and running the finances and investments and things like that. So there's, there's just a myriad of things that happen, and it's just the stress of losing your spouse, but then having to take on a new role in a lot of times that you're not used to is, is really hard. Are there any specific problem areas that you typically see when you, when you really get into details, like just maybe not even, um, you know, somebody that you th- can think of recently, but just in general, like where are the, maybe the, the biggest problem areas or the uh, areas that maybe people struggle with in this position? Yeah, I think right now it's, it's income. You know, they want to find out is, uh, you know, what is my income coming in? I don't even know. Um, you know, so now, some people have been very fortunate to be in some decent income and good residual income where they didn't have to really worry about what's coming in. They just spent less than they made and, you know, they didn't have to balance budgets and things like that. But I think the income is the biggest thing is, so we got to figure out what's the social security, you know, income, how does that work? You have to inform social security. Unfortunately, social security only gives you $250 as a death benefit, which isn't great. But from there, you have to find out what is the best way to take it from here on out. Now, if you lost your spouse and the spouse had a higher social security, you're just going to get that social security. You don't get both. Um, you get the higher of the two, okay. essentially how that works. And so understanding how that works. Also, you know, we have to go through the, the expenses to find out, are your expenses going to be the same or similar? Can you afford to stay in the house? So we have to look at uh, the expenses. Obviously, you're not going to have as much food bills, and maybe you don't need two cars, and you don't pay for extra health insurance and things like that. And sometimes the house is just too big. And, you, and you've you've already mentioned, and people say this all the time, is, you know what, if we lose, you know, one of us is not here, um, we're not going to be in this big house. There's just too much property to have. So just navigating the whole process is going to be important. And and then also looking at, you know, taxes. I mean, taxes are what taxes are. Yeah, your tax, you go from a joint filer to a single filer and, and those numbers change. But that's usually not going to be as important for a retiree uh, because income goes down as well. But I would say the biggest one has to do with expenses and income and navigating through that and that first six months to 12 months is vital just to get your your grasp on where everything is at and i i we find ourselves having for people who have recently lost a spouse two or three meetings in a very short period of time within usually a month or two just to try to get through all this and helping with the paperwork and helping with you know getting everything in their own name and and just navigating through are we going to be okay? Okay, things are settled down. I understand where we're at. And I think just that peace of mind. The nice thing is most of our clients, we've done the, the planning ahead of time, so they're in a good spot regardless, but it's just good to see um, where they're at after the transition has begun. 
Yeah, it's a difficult transition for sure. And it's one that you can be planning ahead for though, right, Mike? I mean, that's that's part of why you plan is to see so when you face these difficult life events that you're not caught off guard. You, you, you know, you at least have thought through these things and have uh, you know, some protection in place. So when you talk about income and trying to figure out that aspect of it, since that's one of the big problem areas, what are some things you can mm-hmm. do in advance to, to kind of get ahead of that and, and be ready for that income gap? Yeah, and life insurance is one of those those um, items because now we're finding less and less people need life insurance. It all depends where you're at. Now, if you're debt free and you're retired, and you know we we figure out the plan and you're going to be good with life insurance or not, then maybe it's not a necessity. A lot of times, we're finding our clients are looking for just maybe a prepaid funeral, so that's covered. But we are finding, you know, just recently, some people have had some really nice life insurance benefits. So especially if you have a mortgage yet. So when remember, if you inherit somebody, a life insurance payout, that money is tax-free. You don't have to claim that on taxes and you don't have to pay taxes on it. And it's it's tax-free money. So if you get 100,000, you got 100,000 that you don't have to claim on taxes. And the key with that is to find out, okay, where's the best place for that? Is that to, if there's a mortgage, definitely we want to try to look at getting rid of that mortgage if it's enough to do so, because that'll lower your expenses immediately. Uh, sometimes it's a combination of paying off the mortgage, have some little extra cushion, paint, make sure you're debt-free, making things simpler. Um, as much as I can, I believe in being debt-free as we can, as much as we can. But just using that money wisely. Also, if, you know, so do you need life insurance is one, but if there's a pension, now we're finding less and less people have pensions today, it's always important to find out what is the best option for a pension. Do you take the biggest pension, which I typically don't recommend if you are married, because if you're married, then if something happens to you, your spouse gets nothing. And so I'm usually encouraging to look at least 50% minimum uh, that your spouse gets at least half of the pension, if not 100%. So you usually have five, six different pension options, which is the highest benefit, which means nothing goes to your spouse if you pass. A 75% goes to your spouse, at 50%, um, sometimes 25%. So we usually try to navigate. Usually the, the cost difference isn't a huge, big difference. Now, sometimes there are, but um, and if you do have a big difference, then I encourage people to keep life insurance for sure if you're going to take the biggest benefit. So maybe you said, ah, it's $500 more if I take the 100%, nothing goes to my spouse. Then I said, well, then you want to either have some prepaid life insurance or some good term life insurance that's going to get you till at least age 85 that your spouse will be covered if you pass because they won't get the pension. So there's a lot of things that navigate there. Um, and also, if we don't help a lot of the our clients with these income annuities that are out there, you might have an income variable annuity. You might have an income fixed index annuity. It's also wise to look at when you take the income from there, are you getting joint income or single income? So a lot of these things we could talk about. But the other, the last thing too, I'll, I'll point on here, Ben, is update your beneficiaries. Sometimes we're finding people have yet to update their beneficiaries, or maybe they went through divorce and got remarried, and they still have their ex-spouse on their beneficiaries. Remember, beneficiaries are irrevocable. They're, uh, they bypass a will or a trust. So if you have beneficiaries on your accounts, those will go directly to the beneficiaries, even though your will or trust might say something different. So you want to make sure you update your beneficiaries to your new spouse or your children. And you're also looking at those 
any kind of life-changing event. You want to make sure those are updated because that could be a nightmare that now you, you lost your spouse. You assume you're going to be getting you know, at least the IRAs maybe from your, your deceased spouse and turns out he or she had their ex-spouse on there or had um, maybe even their kids on there. And you guys talked about, you know, getting maybe still leaving the kids partially on, but maybe 50% in the second marriage. Sometimes we see that that goes to the new spouse and then find out that never happened. And maybe your your in-law children don't enjoy you that much. <laughs> and they, they want all the money and they're not going to help you out. <laughs> so, I mean, we, there's a lot of dynamics that go on and we see this a lot. And so the best thing to do is get this stuff figured out. What are your, when you're of sound mind, you don't wait. You know, these aren't these things you just put on the back burner. Get your estate plan done. Get your beneficiaries fixed. Make sure you have li- enough life insurance. Make sure you choose the right pension. So if something does happen to either one of you, that the other one's not going to be in a myriad of trouble. For the, for the few hours that you would spend what, you know, while you're sound mind and nothing's wrong, it's going to save you days, if not weeks, of extra just work trying to get these things fixed after the fact. It's so much harder after than it is pre-planning. Yeah, no question. You want to get ahead of it as much as possible, and, and that's what we're trying to talk through a little bit today. Again, if you have questions for Mike, you can always log on, principalpreservationservices.com. You mentioned beneficiaries and having the incorrect designations there. I want to transition a little bit talk about the family we talk about the spouse quite a bit so far but you know once you've kind of gotten to the position where you've taken care of the spouse you know they're in a decent place financially you know you want to look at the kids and and grandchildren Mm -hmm. as well there any common mistakes i know beneficiaries is one of them but anything else you see commonly mike where people might take a misstep uh when preparing for this yeah i think uh you know some people don't care i mean you know iras you know 401ks these are pre-taxed accounts which means um, you didn't pay a pre-qualified account, so you have not paid any taxes on this. So um, any of those monies that go to your, your beneficiaries are going to have to be taxed. Um, and in the past, prior to 2020, uh, you could stretch these IRAs out. If you inherited your spouse's, I mean, your, uh, your parents, not your spouse, your spouse can continue your IRAs as is. But if you inherited your parents' IRAs, in the past, you could stretch them out over your lifetime. Just take a small withdrawal out every year and let that money grow, and it wasn't a huge tax consequence. Well, since 2020, Secure Act was passed, and now the children have to take that money out within a 10-year period, and they have to take withdrawals out each year. And you know, we're see, starting to see some pretty large IRAs these days. And when you, what if each child has half a million dollar IRA that they have to, or maybe a million dollar IRA they have to? withdrawal and get that out within 10 years, that's a huge tax burden on top of your income. Because remember, none of that money was taxed. So it might be wise to start looking at um, Roth conversions uh, would be one way to help alleviate some of that tax burden onto your children. Um, now, so again, some my clients said, you know, let them deal with the tax. This is free money to them anyways. What do I care? You know, so uh, that's some some people's sentiment on that. And also gifting, maybe you can start gifting some of this money away through uh, if you're over 70 and a half to qualified charitable distributions to charities. So start getting that money out of these pre-tax accounts and and actually maybe, you know, ahead of time, instead of being so heavily investing in uh, these 401ks and IRAs to start looking at Roth and start investing more into Roth 
today because it's going to be better not just for you and your spouse but also for your kids someday as well so i i would definitely consider not just doing conversions but also can you know doing the contributions into those now if you're in a high income bracket i'm mean, getting some details here ben but if you're too high of income you cannot contribute to a roth ira but if you have an employer sponsored plan there is no income limits on employer sponsor plans that you still can contribute to a Roth 401k if that's available. So take yeah. advantage of those situations if you can. All right, very good, Mike. As we go through this, I know it's uh, it's a tough one for a lot of people to think about, but something you have to prepare for and planning can make a huge difference, as you say. Yes. Um, one, one last thing, Mike, I know we, we get into estate planning you know, from time to time here on the show. We've talked about this a little bit, but just kind of refreshing me and for anybody that may be tuning in for the first time, um, trusts are obviously a a route many people go for preserving family wealth. Uh, where do you stand on that? Uh, do you think that's a good a good option for most people? Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of a revocable living trust, revocable living trust, however you say it, um, over a will. Um, there was an article that was in Wall Street Journal about 10, 12 years ago says, the line in that article says, a will is like a compass that points towards the closest courthouse. So if you have a will, that means yeah. your estate is going through probate most likely. Um, in the state of Minnesota, what qualifies you for probate in the state of Minnesota is only $75,000 of assets. That's you know anything with a registration, a title, a deed, account, cumulative of 75000 or more. Essentially, if you have a house, welcome to probate. Wisconsin's still $50,000. So it doesn't take much these days to get into the probate process. And you have to remember when there's 10,000 people turning 65 years old every day for roughly the next decade, we're going to have this big probate kind of bottleneck in the court system. They're not building more courthouses, and it's just going to drag out the process and every you know even longer at three hundred fifty, four hundred dollars an hour today for probate. What is that going to be here another five, ten, fifteen, twenty years? It's expensive, and yeah, you won't have to go through it. You thought you did your part by doing a will because that's what some of the attorneys are saying. That's all you need. That's all you need is a will. But what they're, why they're not telling you is the details is a will doesn't keep you out of probate. It just It's pretty much a preliminary contract that you just hired the attorney in my eyes because you, if you're gone, your kids have to go through that process and all that attorney fees they get to you know pay for a year to two, three years. It all depends how long it goes, how smooth it goes. Now, a trust is a legal entity, so it's the correct document to help avoid probate but because you retitle your assets while you're living into the trust that you own and you are the trust essentially so you're pre-designating your beneficiaries and pre-designating you know what this state will look like when you pass it's already figured out and it's an entity where a will is not an entity so it can own your house can own your accounts and it's going to make things so much simpler most people who have a trust that's actually done correctly and funded which means it's retitled into the trust they'll settle within a month you know 30 days or so mm-hmm. it'll all be done people have wills we're talking i know people who've gone through three to four years of, of probate process it's a headache and it's expensive so up front it's cheaper to do a will <laughs> long term bad effects trust you pay more up front but you're paying at today's prices and it's so much cheaper it's pennies on a dollar compared to what probate would be so I'd recommend looking at that, you know, a, a trust with a good estate planning attorney who actually just specializes in helping people avoid that, not the attorneys who who uh, love doing probate. If they prefer probate, eh, they're not going to put your best interest 
for you most likely. Mm -hmm. So look at uh, look for the right attorney that fits your needs. All right, as you can tell, there's a lot that goes into this conversation. It's not an easy one, but it's one that you need to have. So if you want to talk through the strategies with Mike, you can always do that by logging on, principalpreservationservices.com, or you can call them at 855-987-8888. All right, a couple questions for you, Mike, that came in that I want to run by you. Yeah. I'll start with one from Chris. He says, oh, 21000 on my truck, but that's my only debt. I just hit 59 and a half, so I can take money out of my 401k now without penalty. Should I make a withdrawal to pay off the truck and go ahead and be debt-free? Well, Chris, I don't know what your uh, tax bracket is. Most likely, that's not a good decision. I run this scenario a lot with clients as they come in, and they have these similar questions. Uh, you know, not just you know, you have your truck, but some people have maybe twenty or thirty, forty grand left to pay on their mortgage. They just want it gone, or maybe they want to buy a new car. When we show you the numbers, remember your four hundred one k, you haven't paid taxes on it. So let's just say, Chris. Let's just say you're in the 12% bracket today. You take out 21,000 and now you're in the 22 bracket, okay? Federal tax bracket. And I don't know what state you're in, but let's just say you're at the top of the 12 bracket today and now you, a dollar over, you go into the 22 bracket. Well, now you're paying 22% federal taxes and let's just assume you're, you know, seven or 8% state taxes. So now you're about 30% in taxes. So if you you need $21,000, you get to take out $30,000 out of your 401k to cover 30% taxes to net 21000 So do you really want to pay $9,000 in taxes to get your $21,000 truck paid off? You know, your truck paid off, that's worth 20, you know, owes 21000 Probably not a good idea. You probably haven't paid $9,000 in interest on the whole loan. So why would you pay all the interest you paid plus another 9000 just to get rid of it? Most people, when we run the numbers, it doesn't make sense. Unless you're in a very low tax bracket, maybe you're retired, and maybe um, you've been living out some maybe cash or inheritance or something like that. Maybe that would work in certain low tax bracket situations. But where most people fall in, I don't think it's a good idea, Chris. All right. Thanks for that question, Chris. Here's one from Jack. My pension doesn't provide an inflation raise each year, so I'll be getting the same amount at age 85 that I'll have at 65. Should I even bother taking the spousal continuation option for my wife to keep getting the monthly payment if she outlives me? Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, you know, Jack, we can run through those scenarios. And what's the difference between the spousal continuation? Now, Jack, I, we just kind of mentioned this on our episode here today, is if you have life insurance, uh, maybe you have some whole life or some universal life, or maybe you just get a term policy. If your health is good, you can get a maybe term policy paid up till age 80 or 85. That might be worth it then uh, for you to take the bigger pension. And at least your spouse will be covered in case something doesn't happen. So I think looking at that, if, if you have life insurance to buffer uh, and keep that maintained, for your spouse in case something does happen to you, then you could go ahead and do that most likely as long as it's enough life insurance to make a difference. Otherwise, I know um, most private pensions do not have inflation riders on there. And so that's kind of what most people are at. Sometimes we also run the situation, Jack, that the lump sum payout is better long-term than it is getting the um, the monthly pension. And if you're, if you're getting a four and a half, five percent just being conservative rate return on that money, you might be doing better than what those pensions are, are paying. So it's just something to look at, look at all the different options. The good thing is having an advisor that can talk you through all these different options and show you those numbers in your plan. That's important.
All right. Thank you for that, Jack. We appreciate the question. If you have anything for us, send it in, principalpreservationservices.com. Or if you want to talk to Mike and his team directly, you can always call 855-987-8888. All right, well, that will do it for us here on this episode of the Retirement Reality Podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do that. We appreciate your support of the show. Mike, hope you have a good week, and uh, hope the Vikings get off to a 1-0 start. I believe so. Uh, they should be. They're favored <laughs> to win by a touchdown, and as long as that's uh, – it's home too. So I think, we, I think we got this game. Very good. Well, I hope you have a good week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Ben. Investment advisory services offered through Alpha Star Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Alpha Star, Principal Preservation Services, LLC, and Principal Wealth Services, LLC are separate and independent entities. Insurance products are offered through Principal Preservation Services, LLC, a Minnesota and Wisconsin insurance agency. Investment advice is offered through Principal Wealth Services, LLC. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products offered by Principal Preservation Services, LLC. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered or guaranteed by AlphaStar.